Welcome to the Women's Playbook. This is a show by and for women change agents and business owners, and a show with a mission to inform everyone in the current marketplace. The Women's Playbook is a weekly and timely handbook for doing smart business in the rising she economy, and that means women who are generating revenue and also uh, spending and gaining economic impact throughout the world, because being equal doesn't mean being the same. I'm your host, Joanna L. Croats. Just FYI, we're having a little phone trouble today, so we might have a few glitches as we go forward, but we're going to keep going. Now, I just wanted to go back one second uh, for a few minutes, actually, f- about our last week's show. We, um, we covered the Alpha Girls, and that was about when uh, the challenges that women face in the male-dominated and even sometimes hostile technology industry. So yesterday, Wednesday, Facebook released figures on its employee diversity for the first time in its history. And frankly, folks, it ain't pretty. Despite the fact that Facebook's COO and lean-in best-selling author Sheryl Sandberg has become the world's best-known advocate for promoting more women to senior management positions, and despite her recent talk in Cannes, France, at an international tech conference, I think that was last week, where she bemoaned the lack of progress for women in executive positions, Despite what you'd imagine would be look to your own home before you start throwing stones, the figures for women at Facebook are truly lame. Women make up only 15% of Facebook's technical employees and a scant 23% of senior managers. That's it. That in so many ways is all she wrote, which makes this week's show all the more relevant. Today, I'm focusing on innovative solutions, innovative solutions to the challenges women entrepreneurs encounter. Just an FYI to Susan out there, in case you're listening, we're still having some phone issues, so we'll be with you shortly. Most experts covering the arena of women businesses, and I'm one of them, report that a key weakness of women entrepreneurs is their lack of planning when it comes to launching and growing a company. This is in line with what we just discussed about Facebook having challenges for women. So more with so few successful women role models in entrepreneurship, women tend to fall into that old shibboleth, math phobia and lack of financial structure and strategy. Of course, this doesn't characterize all women owners. Of course not. But enough women have demonstrated this failing to make the generalizations accurate enough. So I want to address the challenges and consequences of such missteps, and that's what we're doing today. Instead of cataloging all the problems, I'd rather offer solutions. Today's show is about the new Launch Labs for Women, that is, business incubators and accelerators that are specifically structured and designed for women-led enterprises. And these have been multiplying across the country, for-profit, non-profit, and at academic institutions and NGO organizations around the world. To explain what these labs are like, I would like to first introduce someone who's actually gone through the Accelerated Lab at Babson College, and her name is Brittany Lowe. She's a recent graduate of the college and also of its new Women Innovative Now, or WIN, Accelerated Lab. And she's also been through an Accelerated Lab that is devoted to women. She's also been through an Accelerated Lab that was co-ed, so she has a very good perspective on both. A freelance makeup artist since she was a teenager, Brittany is now launching Butini, that's B-E-A-U-T-I-N-I, a makeup bar, innovative idea in New York City, she is looking for funding. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Brittany. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, it's really good to see you. So tell me what it was like to, uh, to go through the, the WIN Accelerator and how you, what you walked away with, what, it, what the benefits it gave you and what you felt was special about it. Okay, actually, um, so it was last summer when they were developing this new program, this new accelerator, and um, Heather Jean, who works closely with Susan, who we'll be speaking to later, um, gave me a call and just asked my opinion about joining an accelerator. Um, And so I knew it was going to be a big time commitment, um, as most of these um, accelerators are, but I did apply and, and was 
a offered a position within the accelerator um the wind lab in specific uh we met every friday for three hours where they brought in different professionals uh, mostly women um and they chose 15 other women from the undergraduate and graduate school to be a part of this program um and it was really great the first section the first half of the program was really about discovering who you are and I always knew since the age of two, I wanted to go into beauty. Second grade wrote in my journal that I wanted to have a beauty company. And so that's ultimately why I chose Babson. So when I heard about this accelerator, it really did make sense for me achieving my dream. Um, however, it is much harder to say that you want to one day when you grow up have a beauty company than when you're actually going to school and you have a year left to figure out your future plans to actually go ahead and do it. Um, so this provided a very nice stepping stone for women who or anyone who's really considering entering the entrepreneurial industry. Um, and so the first section really focused on you. And so this allowed me personally to figure out, is this something I really want to do? Um, and it was a really great experience. I learned about my strengths, my weaknesses, how to build a team based on those weaknesses, um, and how to move forward. So only Babson students and graduates can go through the WIND program there, right? It's not open to others. Is that right? That is correct. Right. However, if you are alum and are trying to start a venture, they will invite you back to be a part of this program. Right. So some accelerators are open to people, students only at the school. Some are outside the academic institution. Mm -hmm. And these are all different. You, if you're looking for one to help you grow your business, you really have to check into what they're about and what their hosts and focus is. So um, you're doing coursework for your senior year is that right while you're also doing the accelerator is that a bit frantic what um it was nice because babson's class structure is that they offer classes mainly monday through thursday so friday is free to allow women and people to intern or um, work on their businesses so the win program was offered nine to twelve um, on Friday mornings. So it was really nice to be able to have just one day where you weren't trying to fit it in within your classes and trying to figure finish your homework during the session as well. Did you have to revamp a lot of your plan while you were going through this? Did it really change the way you were looking at the business that was in your mind? I think I always knew I wanted to attach a service to a product. So I went in with a vague idea on how to execute that, but eventually um, throughout the year it did definitely change based on the feedback of the other members as well as the women and other entrepreneurs that, I, that they brought in through the different sessions. Right. And then um, did you write the business plan while you were going through that? Yes, I did. Um, the nice thing is they offered a lot of different competitions within Boston that um, the Win Lab would send us different information about. So I was in a biz business plan competition, and actually Babson has their own business plan competition where you can win $20,000 of funding. And so through these competitions, that's where I really got my first start on the business plan. And then through the advisors of the Win Lab, they helped me gauge different aspects of the plan to really hone in on what my plan would be to roll out the butini. So tell us a little about the other students there. Did you end up collaborating with them? Because I know that kind of collaboration is a key element mm -hmm. of the WIN Accelerator Program and indeed about Babson generally. And so are you, are you asking for coaching that's peer-to-peer -peer, or is it from mentors or both? How does that work? So it's mentoring from both your peers and the advisors because, so I chose, I just worked out that I did not collaborate with anyone, but they do really encourage you to. And there were a few companies that did collaborate. Um, the interesting part was that every member starting off had their own business idea. And so as the program went on and they learned more about themselves and their business venture, um, some people realized that their business opportunity wasn't as great as some of the other members with their ventures. So they decided to join um, another participant and team up. So that was a really neat uh, journey to watch. 
Um, and so I wasn't a part of that. However, um, I still got a lot of experience and a lot of time to really work with my peers and get their feedback on my business. And we always had time to give our feedback on the different businesses. Um, there was one woman, Emily, who's starting a dog food chain um, called Feedwell. And so she was having her launch throughout this program. So even though we weren't collaborating, we were collaborating in different ways in terms of supporting each other. Yeah, I can imagine that. And um, what happens when you are with all women compared to mm-hmm. all men or when, men and women? Is there a really different vibe? Are people asking different questions? How, do, how does that kind of affect you as you're trying to develop your business plan? So that's an interesting question, especially since I did have a little bit of exposure to an accelerator that was both men and women as opposed to all women with the win lab. And so essentially I just found a lot of the questions that were asked with mixed gender was very focused on funding um, and more like the financial aspects to it, which I did enjoy. Um, and then the women there was, it was nice because there was no barrier. No one had to really impress anyone. Um, and I think there, it just allowed the program to go into a different direction. So like one day we'd get there in the center for women's leadership and there was like mimosas waiting for us and like just fun things that we were able to Sounds like a good business. Oh yes. (laughs) It was a lot of fun. Right. We're going to take a break right now and, uh, hopefully try some, uh, restoration of getting Susan to talk with us who I really miss, uh, dearly. So let's take a break, and we'll uh, be right back with the Women's Playbook. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in your business or career? Trying to take your business to the next level and it keeps hitting a wall? This is Sam Leibowitz, the Conscious Consultant. I will help you get to the root cause of your abundance issues and help move you forward in your life. Call me now and let's create the future you dream of. 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better business people. Hi, I'm Austin Marola. And I'm Sloan Wainwright. We're the hosts of the new Thursday morning show, The Music Power Power Hour, Hour. at 11 a.m. We're going to have fun. And shine the light on all aspects of music. And it's limitless healing possibilities. We're going to invite artists to share their songs and play live. We'll be listening and talking about great music from yesterday to today. So you're invited to share in our musical conversation. Your ears will be delighted with the sound of music. And our voices. Join Austin and Sloan live Thursdays at 11 a.m. on TalkingAlternative.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.TalkingAlternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Have you ever considered consulting a roadmap when you feel you need help getting to your destination? When the normal path seems blocked, a little help can come in handy when choosing an alternate route. Your natal chart is a map of your potentials. It addresses relationships, finance, business, health, and above all, creativity. Current planetary cycles can either support or challenge your objectives. I'm Montgomery Taylor. If you would like to explore the help of a private astrological reading, please contact me at Monty at MontyTaylor.com. That's Monty, M-O-N-T-Y, at MontyTaylor.com. Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you.
talkingalternative.com. It's the Women's Playbook. We're back, and this time, hopefully, with Susan G. Duffy, who is, um, I'm just delighted to have on the show. We have some uh, technical issues with our uh, pipelines, so we're trying to do a workaround. Susan, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, Joanna. Hi. Sorry for your trouble. Let me just uh, introduce uh, a little bit about your background, and then, of course, you can. I, I look forward to you joining the conversation. I hope you had a chance to hear Brittany while she was talking, but I'm not sure about that either. So, um, I was able to hear her, and I'm, I'm very proud of her. <laughs> she, she's the best. <laughs> and moving forward, accelerating forward, I should say. So yes. Susan Duffy has been directing the Babson College Center for Women's Entrepreneurial Leadership for the past three years and is an expert in teaching entrepreneurship, management, or, and organizational behavior. And that's babson.edu to reach either... Brittany or Susan Duffy, and to learn about the center. Susan's Twitter handle, at Susan G. Duffy, to contact her. Susan's also been assistant professor at Simmons College, and of course, uh, we know that they have a very strong women's MBA program and women's leadership as well, so she's been in that calling. And then true to the entrepreneurial calling, Susan has, and has before entering academia, also owned a couple of businesses. So maybe she'll tell us a little bit about that. Susan, what I, what I had planned to start with, and Brittany has actually educated us a little bit, is why do we need women-only women accelerators in the first place, and what are they designed to do? Because it's very confusing between uh, incubator and accelerator. They seem to be used interchangeably, and then when you get to a gender-based one, it gets a little bit more confusing. Can you give us a sense of what, the, what, what a women-only accelerator is about? Well, yes, and I and I think that the the answer to why we need them is we need them because right now we think we have gender neutral models that the that the dominant way that we do venture acceleration is one size fits all, and the reality is is that there are a real diversity of needs among early stage entrepreneurs, and gender is um, a, an element of that diversity. And so when we look at how the dominant model meets the needs of you know, startup entrepreneurs, they make assumptions that everybody fits the current identity. You know, they sound alike, they talk alike, they start the same kind of ventures. And that's just not serving the wide population of potential entrepreneurs out there. And there's more than one right way to do this, and it's time for us to be exploring new models. Gender is just one way to be thinking about this. We know that, really, there are some gender differences between men and women in early stages. For example, much of the entry criteria to get into existing accelerators is about pitching. I'm going to pitch my venture and tell you how fabulous it is and how ready I am for your funding and backing. And the reality is is that women aren't quite as willing to do that when they know that that may not really be accurate. Susan, so Susan do you know... natural style to hold back, they are missing out maybe on opportunities to participate. Why is it that women are not um, either interested or capable or good at pitching? Is it just, is it cultural? Is it, uh, I mean, we, we've heard all these studies in the past about how women don't like to stand in the limelight. When there's a team they lead, they tend to put the credit on the team. They don't step forward. They don't toot their own horn. Is this the same phenomenon? Well, I, I don't, I would never say women aren't good or interested at, pitching. I think that they approach it differently. When they are confident that they have an idea that is ready for prime time and they're given the skills to get that idea out there in an effective and compelling way, they do a dynamite job. 
Sure, absolutely. So I've seen some Babson research that reports more than 126 million active women entrepreneurs. Let me repeat that, 126 million active women entrepreneurs worldwide. And I gather that contributed to the motivation for establishing the Win Accelerator, because this is fairly new. The, the Leadership Center for Women Entrepreneurs are, is, has been around for a while. This accelerator is something you're, you've recently launched. Did that have something to do with it, the rise of women entrepreneurs around both the country and the world? Yeah, and actually, if we add the women that are already running thriving businesses, it goes up to 224 million, and that just accounts for 67 economies. That's not even the entire world. What we did is we looked at those statistics from the GEM Women's Report that's produced by researchers here at Babson, and we also looked around at the ecosystems in our area of Boston and across the country, and we said there's a lot of value being left on the table because if we're not creating options that are meeting more people, whether that's through accessibility, the cultures, the sectors that we're, we're opening the opportunities up to, if we're not broadening that lens, there's a lot of value being left on the table, a very smart, um, highly committed and ready-to-go potential women entrepreneurs. And that was a problem we wanted to solve, so we created the WinLab. So what it, what is the difference between a woman-only accelerator? You say it's only early stage or it's mostly early stage. Is it different in style? Is it different in substance? Do you have different kinds of mentors? How, how is the, uh, the actual structure of the accelerator education and training and coaching differ? Um, that's a great question, Joanna, and I believe that I can answer that in two words, really, and it's people and process. Right, so it, the, the core uh, curriculum or, and competencies required to run a business are gender neutral, right? We have to create a, an innovation, access a market, create a net positive gain for some end user. The process is different in a woman's accelerator in the sense that we are getting at the same outcomes by offering a way for women to collaborate with each other to push boundaries. I'm not saying that this is easier or, you know, any less rigorous than what would go on in a male-dominant environment. I'm saying it's different. So instead of saying, on day one, we're going to make you stand up there and shout about your business and we're going to cut you down and shark tank you until you're ready to just scream. We say, all right, let's get together and as peers who really want to push our boundaries, let's talk about what's right and what's wrong with this business and what you're committed to do to fix it, right? So there's a process of collaboration and support. That's issue one. Issue two, you mentioned it. There is a dominant what I call narrative and optic, and if this is very well researched, of what entrepreneurship is traditionally. And it's masculine. So in most accelerators, you will find that the experts that come in, the coaches that are used, any of the people that are involved in the process, they tend to be males coming from very specific tech-oriented backgrounds and high-growth backgrounds. What we say is we want you to see a very broad range of entrepreneurs. Predominantly, we want you to see women role models, women experts, women coaches, women CEOs that have launched big, bold businesses and that you can look to them and say, well, if she can do it, I can do it. And those are two of the really primary differences in a woman's program. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there are too many women starting makeup bar businesses at Y Combinator out in, in Google land. You know, it just, you're exactly on target. I can understand that. So do you have to do special training for your, for your coaches and your mentors, or do they come out of the center, which is already female-friendly? We actually access the best and brightest from the entire Boston and beyond, actually, ecosystem. Right? So we look at the network of committed women. There's a, there's a very vibrant community in Boston of women entrepreneurs, coaches, CEOs, professional service providers that get this. And they want to be part of it. They want to lend their expertise to this process. Because, for example, who wouldn't want to coach Brittany Lowe? 
Right. Yes, I'm, mean, I'm actually I mean, raising my hand. I'm raising my hand as we speak. to see a young person really, you know, go after a venture like this. But then we also reach beyond into our Babson alumna community and into networks that, that, you know, kind of one degree of separation folks that are involved have at two or three degrees of separation, which might be outside of Boston, right? So we work with people in San Francisco where our other Babson campuses. We work with uh, friends of ours and colleagues in Washington, D.C., who are both educators and entrepreneurs. We really cast a wide net to get the best people to support the lab. So Brittany, Brittany has been Brittany has been sitting here nodding her head as you're speaking, and she she wants to chime in if you let her. And just to add to that, it's not just the best woman in the Boston and beyond um, networks. It's really the best people, as she as Susan is mentioning. Um, I've been going to several entrepreneurship events, whether it's in New York or Boston, and these women that have been coaching and mentoring us not only are getting great respect from what their women peers, but also the peers of men and women. So it's really neat to see that these women are not only dominating their areas, whether they're a venture capitalist or a CEO, but really um, in the whole atmosphere of business. Well, the customers most of the time are going to be male and female, depending on the business. I mean, you need to be able to interact with always and, and with with everyone. And in, in addition, skill is skill. So it's not, you know, if someone's teaching you how to run a business or how to coach, it's maybe style issues, but you really do need to, to be involved uh, with everyone. Susan, what do you see? Um, we're, we're, we're going to take a break shortly, but what do you see ab- about the accelerator going forward? Is it going to be expanding the numbers is it going to change um i guess focus or, or how, how do you, will it will it move out from under the babson wing how does that work well in the immediate future we've already expanded our first year was a pilot and we've already increased the number of women that will be involved to 25 from we had 17 in our pilot program we would love to replicate this both here in, our, in, in the Boston region, in San Francisco, where our other campuses, and then across the country. Interestingly enough, I've just returned from a meeting where uh, we have colleagues um, in the UK and colleagues in Sweden and other parts of the world who are also, without us ever communicating with each other, building similar models. Because I think what we're realizing around the world is, again, there's more than one right way for us to ignite entrepreneurial potential. And we're finding that these alternative models are really, really useful to a whole population of would-be entrepreneurs. It's terrific to hear, and it's interesting that it's a mirror image going forward. So we're going to just take another break, and we'll be right back and and learn a bit about where accelerators can take Brittany and all the rest of us. Thanks. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Hi, I'm Austin Marola. And I'm Sloan Wainwright. We're the hosts of the new Thursday morning show, The Music Power, Power Hour. At 11 a.m. We're going to have fun. And shine the light on all aspects of music. And its limitless healing possibilities. We're going to invite artists to share their songs and play live. We'll be listening and talking about great music from yesterday to today. So you're invited to share in our musical conversation. Your ears will be delighted with the sound of music. And our voices. Join Austin. And Sloan. Live Thursdays at 11 a.m. on TalkingAlternative.com. I'm the aptly named host of Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Fundraising, board relations, social media. My guests and I cover everything that small and mid-sized shops struggle with. If you have big dreams and a small budget, you have a home at Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Fridays, 1 to 2 Eastern at TalkingAlternative.com. Hi, this is Joanna Croats at The Woman's Playbook on TalkingAlternative.com. Join us every Thursday, 12 noon to 1 p.m. We're talking about the rising she economy and about women entrepreneurs and their growth, their triumphs, and the businesses they run, which is different than the way men run businesses. Every Thursday, 12 to 1 p.m., 
on TalkingAlternative.com. It will help you start, run, and grow your business. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at TalkingAlternative.com. Welcome back. It's the Women's Playbook. We're talking about the rising she economy, and we're specifically talking with Susan Duffy and Brittany Lowe about how being equal does not mean being the same. And we know this because the accelerators and incubators around the country are forming and expanding in terms of helping women entrepreneurs. Women, of course, are starting uh, businesses at about twice the rate men do, and yet they seem not to scale, and they seem not to get as big as the ones that um, men start. So there's the disparity. Bigger numbers in in volume, but not necessarily in revenue. And we're talking with Susan Duffy, who's director of the uh, Babson Center for Women's Entrepreneurial Leadership and the Win Accelerator. So what, what are these barriers that uh, come up for women entrepreneurs, Susan? And why is it, in your estimation, that they don't tend to scale as quickly or as often as men-owned businesses do? Well, one of the, the things that we're clear on, Joanna, is that women tend to start businesses as sole founders, and this works against them. Men will tend more, are more likely to partner up. We do know that uh, companies that are started by teams have much more uh, potential to get funding and to grow, and that's for a number of reasons. The, the most obvious, of course, is because there's diversity of assets right, of the intellect, of the skill sets, of even the emotional and social um, capital that people bring to a founding team. But that has become a priority, as Brittany mentioned, of the WinLab, although some women have chosen to continue on their ventures as uh, a single founder, we very much uh, encourage them to find co-founders and a top-notch management team to take the venture forward. So that's, that's one area. I think a second area is really very easy to change, and that is that women will start something they know they can manage and excel and really, you know, control. And what we love to think about in entrepreneurship education at Babson is, you know what, we can totally change your perception on what you're capable of building here. And when we start early to say, yeah, like take Brittany's idea, for example, a beauty bar is a great idea, but a chain of beauty bars or a franchise of beauty bars or global domination of beauty bars is a better idea. And right from the get-go in that collaborative, supportive, yet, you know, kind of really pushing and, and holding people accountable environment saying, let's think about how big you can make this. And let's help you see how you are the right person and hopefully also with some team you can make it grow that big and, and thrive. Well, that's an, an, an interesting um, way to come around to how much risk Brittany is looking at as she leaves school and continues on the road to founding her business. I know that she's uh, currently on the cusp of a decision between joining a large multinational company who has which has recruited her and actually going forward to seek funding. She has some initial funding, so continued funding for uh, these pop-up makeup bars and also the, the global domination you mentioned. So, <laughs> so we're, we're watching, you know, some kind of James Bondette as we go forward. So what, Brittany, do you think is um, propelling you to take this path when there is this other kind of interesting opportunity out there for you that a lot of people would just latch on to? Yeah, it's interesting because I'm currently going through this whole process and I received this offer earlier in the year. And so my whole mindset throughout the WIN program was, you know what, I'm going to do as, as much as I can to get this this company off its ground and come time 
where I would have to really make my decision, I'll make my decision then. But I'm not going to worry about it until that time approaches. And unfortunately, that time is approaching. So now <laughs> you get the family members involved and everyone has their own two cents on what I should do. I'm sure all your BAPs and mentors are weighing in. Yes, well. absolutely. They're, they're the best supporters, the best cheerleaders I could ever imagine. But the hard part is here, um, and I think this is a big thing for a lot of women, is that they always think about not just themselves. So they think about, okay, like what if I have a family? How is my family going to be reacting to this decision of mine? Whereas men maybe just go for it knowing they'll make it work. And it's hard because I'm, I'm balancing and deciding between a job that has a strong reputation in the same industry I want to pursue, um, great people. There's a lot of financial stability. However, when I took a step back and looked at it it's not really truly my dream um it's a lot easier the job wasn't easy to get um but once you have it you know that you'll be okay and here taking this risk of starting a business with no stable income living in the most expensive city in the world (laughs) um it is a big decision um however um i am with everyone's support and just trying to get into different gyms and really getting this off its ground. The gyms is about a pop-up bar at the gym. Just Yeah. So that will be phase one of our business. We're looking to partner with either a hotel chain or a fitness center in New York city. Um, and so I am planning on pursuing this business. Um, however, it is a big decision and I think a lot of women, a lot of people have to make this decision. It's not easy. Um, the entrepreneurial path is not as glamorous as maybe Shark Tank or some of the other, um, TV shows make it seem, but you have to. There's a lot of washing windows, right? Yes. (laughs) Yes. A lot of waitressing maybe in my future, but that's okay. So Susan, is there a is there a um, entrepreneurial personality for? Uh, I mean, the, let's let, I mean, let me step back. The cliche about male entrepreneurs is they're gung ho, they're driven, they're twenty four seven, they're writing code in basements and garages, they don't even think about personal life. You know, on and on and on. Is there a similar kind of personality for women, or is it just different? I mean, because. Not everyone is slated to be an entrepreneur. Brittany obviously had this gene somewhat when, like, toddler time. <laughs> well, yeah, I, you know, the academics studied that for a very long time and tried very hard to come up with the quote-unquote traits of entrepreneurs versus the, the non-entrepreneur, and, and that literature is, is long gone because that was they were never able to do that. And I think that we have, um, a lot of us have accepted the kind of, the, the description you just provided, right? This kind of 24-7, in my garage, never sleeping, heroic, out there slaying risk and, you know, creating disruption. That is what entrepreneurship is. And that's actually a very small slice of what entrepreneurship is. Entrepreneurship is an entire continuum of venture creation. And most entrepreneurs run businesses that are less than a million dollars in revenue. Most of them, right? Only six percent, six point three percent of firms have more than of men's fir- men-owned firms have more than a million dollars in revenue, and one point eight percent of women firms have more than a million dollars in revenue. So we have to remember that what this story of entrepreneurship is is very broad, and people do it a lot of different ways. A lot of people start their ventures at night; they keep their day job, they do it at night, they do it on the weekends. Other people start ventures that are not going to be super high growth, but are going to be lifestyle ventures that keep them comfortable, fulfill their needs, you know, both intellectually and emotionally and financially. And and others kind of dabble and do gigs. You know, they, they do a little bit of a venture and then they take a break and they go into a conventional job. And I think the good news now is that there's room for all of these definitions of entrepreneurship. And the exciting thing for someone like Brittany is those are good problems to have, right? Right. She's got the option between do I take this job that's going to serve me well and I'll learn a lot and get back to my entrepreneurial potential and and venture and probably be entrepreneurial inside if I decide to take the job, 
Or because I have lower risks and I'm a young person, do I jump now and do this now knowing that I've got a great education, I'm very bright, and I'm going to learn a ton from this no matter how it turns out, and I can always get back into corporate life. So to, to answer your question, no, there is not a type, and there is certainly not a difference in gender in type. You will find women entrepreneurs that are burning that candle at both ends. You'll find, I think, most people that are full-time working on their ventures, it is a 24-7 process, right? They're eating, sleeping, thinking, dreaming about their venture and how they're going to take it to the next step. And obsessing. Don't forget obsessing. <laughs> Yes, and obsessing. So Susan, and it takes that right? I yeah. Mean, I always, I always describe. It's like the duck that looked like they're swimming across the surface, and underneath those little legs are going a million <laughs> miles an hour, and they paddle along because there's so many moving parts to actually getting a venture off the ground and really launched that. You can never teach it all. You have to live it. And that's why Babson is so keen on this idea of entrepreneurial thought and action. You can only think your way so far. Then you have to act to learn. Right? There's so many things you must learn and pilot by doing that it's, it's just one of these processes that takes everything you've got, man or woman. What what do you think this job would have been like for you, or could you be doing it if you had not um, also been an entrepreneur and a business owner? Was that critical in terms of your taking on this kind of coaching and this kind of structure? I'm sorry. I had a little trouble hearing the question. Oh, I'm just wondering if, if you think it was necessary or important that you were also an entrepreneur before you entered academia. Did that make a difference in influencing the way you're doing this job and, and this kind of structure? Well, I certainly, I self-identify as an entrepreneurial educator, and so I think that, yes, much of that and my earlier opportunities to work in business and to start a Chinese restaurant, which I don't re- recommend to anyone, that was in my scenario. Um, um, that was a franchise, trying, too, right? I, I, I learned a lot, but... It, it all contributes, but I also think that everyone's life experience contributes. And at that time, we believe that everyone is entrepreneurial, and they have some entrepreneurial potential that can be transformed into entrepreneurial impact, right? so that we can all look around at what's that opportunity that only I can see, because through my lens, from my unique position in the world, I see what is and what could be, and I get what is needed to make a difference to create value. So we all can do it. I I feel like I'm running a new venture every day here at the center. We have new initiatives going on. We've got a really vibrant team. We've got value that we're creating. We're looking to scale. We've got new products and services that we're rolling out for our students and alums and community. There's a lot of of um, application of entrepreneurial principles for all of us who work inside organizations. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take our last break, and when we come back, perhaps the two of you can offer some advice for people who are looking for just the right fit in terms of accelerating their lives and their businesses. This is The Woman's Playbook. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Talking Alternative Network. Have you ever considered consulting a roadmap when you feel you need help getting to your destination? When the normal path seems blocked, a little help can come in handy when choosing an alternate route. Your natal chart is a map of your potentials. It addresses relationships, finance, business, health, and above all, creativity. Current planetary cycles can either support or challenge your objectives. I'm Montgomery Taylor. If you would like to explore the help of a private astrological reading, please contact me at Monty at MontyTaylor.com. That's Monty, M-O-N-T-Y, at MontyTaylor.com. Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. 
Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. Hi, you're back at the Women's Playbook. We're talking to Brittany Lowe and Susan G. Duffy, Director of the Center for Women's Entrepreneurial Leadership, and Brittany, who's uh, gone through the program and is launching her business. What exactly is your business going to be about, Brittany? So our, um, so Beautini is all about dedicating, it's dedicated to empowering women through makeup services. So we offer an experience for women and their friends for them to receive makeover, whether it's early in the morning before a business pitch or late at night before a nice date or night out in town, um, where women can come get their makeup done while receiving some complimentary beverages, whether it's a mimosa, champagne, whatever you'd like, and creating an experience where you leave feeling like the most beautiful version of yourself. And how did this concept come to you? This was not your toddler dream, I imagine. No. So I, since I was two, um, at my first ballet recital, I found my mother's makeup bag. And so from then on, every single dance recital I had, I'd always insist on doing my own makeup. And so I'd always look like a clown, but my mom knew that it made me so happy. So she was like, it's okay. We'll get the picture the different day when I do your makeup. Um, and so second grade, I knew at that point that I wanted to have my own beauty company because there was one day in the car when my dad's like, so, like, do you want to work for Estee Lauder? Maybe work at Mac or Clinique? I'm like, ah, you know what? Why don't I just make my own? And so from that day on, um, I really, at the age of 17, I started my own cosmetic line, all natural, called Below Cosmetics. And it was really for me to understand the business world and just get my hands into the entrepreneurial world. Um, at the same time, I also started an organization called GALS, Girls in Leadership, and that was empowering middle school girls um, through community service. And so I realized that I really loved to empower women. I loved the concept of beauty. And so when I was at Babson, it allowed me to really hone in on these two passions to create a business. And so to really get an experience of empowering someone, I figured it had to be attached to a service. So that's where my mind started thinking about, okay, I wanted to sell beauty products, but how can I really offer an experience too? And so that's where now that we see all these quick service businesses popping up in New York and many other cities, that's what really gave me the idea to really alter that business model and cater it to beauty. It's interesting to me that, that um, the, one of the first things you say about the concept has to do with empowerment for women, mm-hmm. um, because it seems to me also that Gen Y women and men are moving toward entrepreneurship because of wanting businesses that are for purpose as well as profit. And this idea of change agent and social good and social entrepreneurship is really driving a lot of interest in entrepreneurship across the country and the world. Susan, when someone is looking for some help in choosing or applying to, and they're rigorous applications, right, for accelerators, when someone's trying to find the right fit in terms of field or networks or funders or what what should they be looking for to make sure that they're actually in the right accelerator at the right time? Well, that's a great point. I mean, they really do differentiate across a number of different variables. So the first thing that they want to do is they want to look at the portfolio of existing companies within the accelerators that they're investigating, right? And they want to see, is the stage of the venture that that accelerator focuses on the same as their stage? Is there a fit with the mission of that accelerator? You know, is that accelerator trying to um, get businesses harvested very quickly and take an equity stake? Is it a little bit of a slower play? 
does it have an economic development mission in the region? You know, they want you to have a business business that then sets up shop in that immediate locale. Is it a sector-focused accelerator? Then they want to look at what are the selection processes and how do I graduate from this program? Do I meet the criteria? What do I need to do to make myself meet the criteria? And am I comfortable with when I invest myself into this, what their criteria are for graduation is what I think is also worth my while. And then finally, just the nature of the services that the accelerator provides, right? Is this what I need? Will they provide me with coaching and mentoring and capital information that is relevant to the venture stage I'm in, to my ventures? objectives uh, to what I need as a founder. And they, so, so people want to evaluate all of those parameters as they think about where they might be a fit. Are there some costs entailed? Do, do, are you charged when you go in? Well, it depends on the organization. In, in many of the traditional models, there is an equity stake taken of your business. Right, so people will take a certain percentage of ownership for your right to be in that accelerator. That's the deal. Um, there, there are a few models where there is capital offered, like the Mass Challenge, for example, here in Boston, where um, they don't take an equity stake and they have a public-private partnership of of um, accumulating capital that they, they distribute when people graduate to the ventures based on different criteria. But they're all different with the dominant model being that somebody's going to take a piece of ownership for your right to have been in the program. Well, I know Brittany has some angel investment that came out of Babson. I'm, I'm pretty convinced that it had to do with the fact that she was there and, and your network there. Do you, you didn't actually have equity that you gave up as well, did you? Bring- I did. Oh, you did. Yes. Okay, so that's going forward. Mm-hmm. So these people are vested in your success, which is pretty neat, and Absolutely. They, and they have some skills to offer. So, is it a key goal for startups to have some kind of revenue generation before going into an accelerator, Susan? Because you need to have some traction of customers and revenue in order to attract investors, or is it straight concept? Well, it, it, it really depends on the program. In many cases, people will have proof of concept that they've done something where they have uh, a customer that has said, yes, this works for me. They may not have transacted cash, but they've proven that the concept works and that they can get one customer. But what the requirements are differ depending on the accelerator. You don't necessarily have to have a revenue stream before you go in. In some cases, you know, when you're that early stage, you actually need the capital and resources that an accelerator program might give you to get to revenue positive. So, you're, you know, it would be defeating the purpose to uh, require that going in. So really, it really depends. So in, in Brittany, when you were in the co-ed accelerator versus the women, you were apparently doing both simultaneously. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Woo. Um, <laughs> And did did you get some kind of, I don't know, dizzy? Was it such a different substance or style or skill? What would make you do that simultaneously? So I entered the co-ed accelerator as part of the Babson um, offerings a year before the WIN program um, launched. And so... It was a great program. Um, the faculty members who can, who've created that accelerator and really support it have been very supportive. Um, only, however, I wasn't as engaged. So the WIN program really caters to you. They set aside three hours every Friday to really just focus on your business, whereas other accelerators, um, like the co-ed one, was more trying to offer you all these different events, which were great, Um but it wasn't as engaged. More generic. Than, yes. Yes. And so, again, I'm, I'm speculating. Having a beauty and a makeup business and mm-hmm. a co-ed kind of, was that somehow déclassé? Or did you kind of get any ribbing for that? Or was it because it's not a very male business? I have to say that um, although we've focused so much on the gender differences, I've had so much support from the male gender. Um, so I really haven't. I think people have known me as a person entering the accelerator, so they really did understand and value my business. Um, and it's funny because even my first investor is a man, and my um, other potential investors are also men. So it's really interesting just to see that as long as you're serious about your venture, entering 
an accelerator, people will respect you um, just for the person you are and how serious you take your venture. So, Susan, is the goal, I don't know, four years, 10 years, 40 years from now, that eventually there's no need for women-only kinds of incubators, that we're all going to somehow have a co-ed time? Yes, that's absolutely the goal, that in time there are models of venture acceleration that meet a wide range of early-stage entrepreneurs' needs, and, and we don't have to differentiate by gender because there's lots of models out there that meet people where they are. Actually, Brittany was doing a nice job of explaining that these two programs, our blank, uh, Arthur M. Blank Center and our Butler Venture Accelerator is slightly different than the Wind Lab, and smart entrepreneurs just take what they need and leave the rest of all of the different options that are around there. So I think as we talk about when people are choosing accelerators and thinking about support programs, it doesn't have to be a one-stop shop. It could be, well, I'm going to engage in this program now, but I am going to also be part of a particular network that supports me in my sector. That's co-ed, certainly. But I may also have a women's group that I talk to about things that that group just serves me best. Thank you, Susan. I can use resources at my, say, my, you know, alum institution of where I got a degree or something. Susan, we're... And we're, you just kind of piece together a developmental network of support systems for your entrepreneurial... We're going to... We're going to wrap up now. Um, I know it's been tough because of the uh, lack of the phone line, but thank you so much. Thanks to Brittany Lowe, and you can find her on LinkedIn. It's L-O, Brittany Lowe. Susan Duffy at uh, Babson.edu, Director of the Center for Women's Entrepreneurial Leadership. Next week, in honor of the 4th, we're going to be uh, looking at women veterans who are starting entrepreneurs, uh, are starting businesses of their own and becoming entrepreneurs. There is a whole uh, bunch of women coming out of the military these days and uh, some organizations that are dedicated to them. So we're looking forward to that on July 2. Thanks so much to my guests today who are plucky, if nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) Take care, and we'll see you next week and hear it also at TalkingAlternative.com on July 2. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in your business or career? Trying to take your business to the next level and it keeps hitting a wall? This is Sam Leibowitz, the Conscious Consultant. I will help you get to the root cause of your abundance issues and help move you forward in your life. Call me now and let's create the future you dream of. 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. The Conscious Consultant, helping conscious people be better business people. Hi, I'm Austin Marola. And I'm Sloan Wainwright. We're the hosts of the new Thursday morning show, The Music Power Power Hour, Hour. at 11 a.m. We're going to have fun. And shine the light on all aspects of music. And it's limitless healing possibilities. We're going to invite artists to share their songs and play live. We'll be listening and talking about great music from yesterday to today. So you're invited to share in our musical conversation. Your ears will be delighted with the sound of music. And our voices. Join Austin and Sloan live Thursdays at 11 a.m. on TalkingAlternative.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Have you ever considered consulting a roadmap when you feel you need help getting to your destination? When the normal path seems blocked, a little help can come in handy when choosing an alternate route. Your natal chart is a map of your potentials. It addresses relationships, finance, business, health, and above all, creativity. Current planetary cycles can either support or challenge your objectives. I'm Montgomery Taylor. 
If you would like to explore the help of a private astrological reading, please contact me at Monty at MontyTaylor.com. That's Monty, M-O-N-T-Y, at MontyTaylor.com. Are you suffering from aches and pains? Has traditional medicine let you down? Are you tired of taking toxic medications? Then come to the Double Diamond Wellness Center and learn how our natural methods can help you to heal. Call us now at 212-721-8183. That's 212-721-8183. Or find us on the web at www.doublediamondwellness.com. We look forward to serving you. TalkingAlternative.com 